Hi, this is Dan Jones with another Quiet Talk. This is number 38. Before I start, I want to give credit to a great preacher and missionary statesman named Bob Hoskins. Every time I preach about Moses, well, almost every time, I'm actually reworking a portion of a sermon by Bob that I heard when I was a young man in Memphis, Tennessee. He was a guest speaker at our church, and his preaching has had a seminal impact on my ministry. What I heard him say about Moses all those years ago captured my imagination like nothing ever has. Bob is the founder of One Hope, a worldwide ministry dedicated to providing God's Word to the children and youth of the world. And he is a man I so deeply respect. He has been a wonderful example to me. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I'm sure you know the story of Moses, an Israelite baby who was born in the time when the people of God were slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh had decreed that all the boys born to Israelite women be killed. Egypt was afraid of the rapidly growing population of Israel. They saw these slaves as a threat. But the mother of this little boy was a woman of faith. So she hid the baby three months. And then when it became impossible to continue to hide him, she set him afloat in a basket on the Nile River, trusting God to take care of him. And God did. The daughter of Pharaoh saw him, heard him crying, and had compassion on him. So she adopted him as her own son. Ironically, she ended up hiring Moses' own mother to nurse him. So his mom actually got paid to take care of her own baby. How would you moms out there like to have had an arrangement like this when you were raising your little ones? Consequently, instead of growing up a slave, Moses grew up in the palace of Egypt, in the lap of luxury. He had everything he could possibly wish, including the finest education available in that day. According to secular Tradition, Moses led some successful military exploits as an Egyptian general. To all appearances, he had tremendous potential in this one of the greatest and most powerful empires in the ancient world. While there's no way to know this for sure, it is certainly possible that Moses 
could have himself become the Pharaoh. He had the intellect and the talent that would have made him one of the greatest leaders in world history. But amazingly, Moses turned his back on all of this. He left Egypt. He left the riches, the luxury, the potential for earthly greatness. Now Moses knew, at least from the time he was 40 years old, that God would use him to deliver his people from slavery. Somehow, in those early years of his life, his mother managed to instill in him the consciousness of his God-given identity as a part of the people of promise, the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he kept this identity while being raised as Egyptian royalty. So when the moment of crisis came, Moses chose affliction with God's people over the wealth and pleasure of Egypt. Most of us average Joes have no concept of what he gave up. I wasn't brought up in a palace. I'm guessing you weren't either. But somehow there in Egypt, Moses saw something that captured his heart and caused him to turn his back on the world and its attractions. What was it? What could have caused him to give up his golden prospects in the mighty nation of Egypt? The text we read at the beginning from Hebrews 11 said that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. Think about that. Somehow, down there in Egypt, Moses caught a glimpse of God's glory. He realized that there was a potential Reward that was far more valuable than all the gold and silver and pleasure and power that the world held out to him. You know, all of life is an exchange. We exchange our labor to get money, and then we take that money to the grocery store and exchange it for food and other necessities. We consider that these exchanges are in our best interest. But consider the bigger picture for a moment. There is something bigger than your weekly paycheck, bigger even than all the money you can save up in your lifetime, something bigger than a house, than property, a generous retirement plan, something bigger than worldly success. Bigger than all these things is your life. Jesus asked the question, what will a man give in exchange for his soul, for his life. What will you give, my friend? Moses exchanged earthly advantages for eternal ones. Moses left the Egyptian palace to wander in the desert with a group of people that were often ungrateful and at times even wanted to kill him, all because he had managed to get just a brief look at what God offers to all who forsake the world to follow him. I know a very gifted man who as a boy wanted to be a missionary. One of his school teachers noticed his academic achievement and called him in to ask him what he planned to do with his life. When he answered, I want to be a missionary, she replied, 
Don't throw your life away like that. You have great prospects. Obviously, that teacher never saw what Moses saw. She had no concept of the glory that God offers to those who follow him. I imagine if she had known Moses, she would have scoffed at the choice he made to forsake Egypt. Perhaps she would have said, as the Pharaoh Moses, think of how you could help your people. You could do good and have it all at the same time. But Moses found that it's impossible to love the world and love God at the same time. As Hebrews tells us, he considered the reproach of Christ to be greater riches than all the treasure in Egypt. Think about that. How can being reproached and mocked and persecuted, how can becoming an outcast be a treasure? Because of that principle of exchange that we talked about, Moses exchanged earthly advantages for heavenly ones. The price of those heavenly benefits is the reproach attached to identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. So how did this thing turn out for Moses? Instead of being embalmed and entombed in a great Egyptian pyramid like all the pharaohs were, he dies alone on a mountain. No one to comfort him. No beautiful funeral service, not even a stick to mark the place of his burial. The world would call him a fool. Look at all he gave up. But of course, that mountain where he died and from which God showed him the promised land is not the last place we meet Moses. Centuries later, the Lord Jesus Christ ascended another mountain, and before his amazed disciples, he was transfigured and for a moment appeared in his rightful glory as the Son of God. His face shone as brightly as the noonday sun, and his robes became as white as the light. But he was not the only one who appeared there in glory. Appearing with him were Moses and Elijah, sharing that same blinding brightness of countenance and raiment. The power of this manifestation of the glory of God overwhelmed Peter, James, and John, who were with Jesus there. Now, all the pharaohs who had enjoyed momentary pleasure and power are dried-up mummies lying dead in their crumbling pyramids. But Moses stands on the Mount of Transfiguration face to face with the everlasting Son of the living God, glorified forever, because he saw the glory of God and left the passing pleasures of this world behind in the dust of Egypt. My friend, I pray right now 
that somehow God would give you just a peak of that glory, just enough to move you to leave behind the things of this world, to take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. Jesus promises those who do so eternal glory, a glory brighter than anything this world can give, a glory that can never fade. I, for one, want to share in that glory. Heavenly Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, of His glory. Lord, may the eyes of our hearts be enlightened with that image of the glorified Son of God. May somehow in the eyes of faith we see just a moment. Today may we see that face that did shine as the sun, whose clothing was as white as the light. Let us see the glory of God and let us turn aside from the things of this world, the temporal things that attract us, that attract the flesh. Help us to turn away from those things to embrace that eternal glory that Jesus Christ offers all who follow him. In his precious name we pray. Amen. I would love to hear from you. Please email me if you'd like to at Father. Dan Jones at Outlook.com. God bless you.